the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. Bless his name. I want to call your attention this morning as we continue to worship God and celebrate his awesomeness. I'll call your attention to the gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 10, the gospel of Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 17. God's word reads as follows. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way and sell whatever you have. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this saying or at this word. And he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. Amen. I want to preach the gospel this morning. Y'all know what the gospel is? Pray with me for a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to stand and declare your word in this place. God, empower me from on high. Endow me even now. God, strengthen my physical body. Speak through these lips of clay, God, words, everlasting words. Uh, Heavenly Father, that would change the life of someone who's on their way to hell. Snatch them, God, out of the grips of the devil. God, edify those who are here, God, because somebody thinks they're saved, but God, they're on their way to hell too. God, save them from their own wisdom. Heavenly Father, I'm praying that you will reclaim the drifter today, Lord, that they would realize what they have in you. Stop running from you, but run to you. God, encourage the downtrodden today. Lift up their heads. Speak a word in this place that your name would be glorified. 
Have your way, Heavenly Spirit. Reign, rule, have dominion in this place. In the name of Jesus, we ask this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The gospel is good news. But you know what I've, I've, I've come to understand a lot uh, in church is that we, we preach the Bible sometimes. Well, not everybody preaching the Bible, but um, <laughs> sometimes we get in, in the habit of, of, of preaching and um, going through lesson and lesson and encouragement and direction. And we miss one of the most fundamental principles of what we're preaching for. The purpose of the preacher is to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. When I was coming up in ministry, some of the older preachers would say it this way. No matter what you were preaching about, you got to go by the cross. You got to go into the grave. And you got to go and raise him up the third day. Doesn't matter if you're talking about money, you got to go to the cross. You got to go in the grave, and you got to raise him from the dead. Doesn't matter if you're talking about prosperity. Doesn't matter if you're talking about sin in your life or doing better or encouraging yourself. Whatever you're talking about, you got to go by the cross. Got to go to the grave, and got to raise him from the dead. So this morning, I want to go by the cross and talk about the good news or share some good news with you this morning. This gospel, according to Mark, Mark being the shortest of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it is, it is one of the synoptic gospels, meaning that it is similar in its content to Matthew and Luke, John not being one of those synoptic gospels. But of all the four gospels, Mark is the shortest of them all. Mark, in the midst of his writing, uh, we'll find him using the word immediately, over and over and over again. It almost seems like to me as I read through the Gospel of Mark that Mark is in a hurry somehow to get the story told. Amen. But in the, in the, in the process of him telling the stories in such a powerful and compacted way, he has a way of, in, 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 I guess how do I say, he has a way of, of influencing us and encouraging us and getting the word of God to us without all the extra stuff. He, he just hits the point and he hits it and quits it and moves on to the next thing. And then immediately something else happens and immediately God's going here and immediately Jesus is going here. Jesus in the process of Mark's gospel, is, is, is finds himself moving all around, all around, all around, and immediately, immediately, immediately something's happening. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 is one of what we would call a key verse to the whole book of Mark. Jesus lets us know that he did not come to be served, but to serve. The reason why that's a key verse to the, the gospel of Mark is because Mark's gospel depicts Jesus as one of a servant. He lets us know that Jesus is a servant. Not only was he God, not only was he a redeemer, not only was he like man, but he was a servant. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. That, that's the, the key verse, if you will, of all uh, that Mark has to say in his gospel. Now, uh, in this gospel of Mark, I want to talk to you in these verses that I've read and you're hearing from the subject matter. Do you have eternal life? 
do you have eternal life? Now, I'm going to need your help this morning if you would just kind of turn to your neighbor. Don't answer the question yet, but just turn to your neighbor and ask them, do you have eternal life? So I don't want y'all to say it too fast because when you say it too fast, they might misunderstand what you say it. Take your time and ask them, do you have eternal life? Now, y'all got to look at them. Look at them like y'all having a conversation. Don't just turn your, don't be faking I mean, you really look them in the face and ask, do you have eternal life? See, because that's a question. Watch this. This this question that that I've just caused you to present and to pose to the person that's sitting next to you is a question that has a multitude of answers. Now, let let me take you to a step further. Um, Turn to your neighbor once again. Now now that you've asked them, do they have eternal life? Ask them, how do you know? So I'm, I'm really, really, really getting into your business. I'm really getting into your business now. Um, and now, just one more time, if you just turn to them one more time, and then ask them, are you sure you have eternal life? Now, watch this. The, these three questions, I've discovered something in, in my 20 years of ministry. I've discovered that these three questions will cause folk to answer all kinds of ways. I mean, and I'm not just talking, listen to me, I'm not just talking about unsaved people. I'm not talking about people who haven't been in church. I'm I'm talking about you can ask some people that really are saved, do you have eternal life? And they'll tell you all kinds of stuff. And then you say, are you sure? How do you know for sure that you have eternal life? And they'll say, um, 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 and they'll start giving you stuff like, um, I go to church. I've been good. I, I've been keeping the, you know, I try to do the right thing. I don't hurt nobody, don't kill nobody, trying to keep the law and, and you know, the, the, the golden rule and, and stuff like that. These are the kind of answers that you typically will receive from people when you ask them about their eternal life. You ask them, are they sure? As a matter of fact, I've asked this question on many occasions, and one of the answers that I've got in, in, in over and over and over again is you can't be sure. Now, this between me and you, if, if, I, if I have eternal life and I can't be sure of it, that makes me a miserable person. So we want to we look at this. We want to try to understand um, just a little bit better about eternal life. And, and hopefully when you leave today, you'll be able to answer the question, do you have eternal life properly? You'll be able to know why you have it and you'll be sure that you have it. Every child of God needs, if you are a child of God, if you are born again, if you've been washed in the blood, if you've been redeemed, every child of God that's been redeemed needs to know you, you ought not be guessing. You, you shouldn't have to say, you know, I think I have it. No, you should know that you have it. And if you don't have it, ain't no need in pretending because we're going to expose you today too. All right, let, let, let's, let's get to the text. Um, in, the, in the text, we, we, we pick up here in, in Mark's gospel. Jesus has been moving around from place to place. He's, he's been ministering just before this particular text picks up. He's been ministering to some children. And, you know, the disciples had come and said, you know, get the children away. And Jesus says, no, let them come to me. And, and, and the children came and he blessed the children. And he, he told though the disciples and those that were gathered around, he said, except one comes as a little child, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So he, he lays that out. And, and now that's critical to where we pick up because where we pick up in verse number 17, we find this this, this young man 
ruler, as, as one of the gospel lets us know, he's a rich ruler who, who, who comes to Jesus. He says now, verse 17, now as he was going out on the road, Jesus was leaving after all he had done. He had blessed the children. He has shared with them that they need to come um, to God as, as little children. And if not, there will be no means enter into the kingdom of God. He blessed the children. He's on his way. He's leaving out. And, and here comes this rich ruler running and knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? If you are evangelistic in nature, in other words, if you're interested in sharing the gospel and watching folk come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if that's you, this is the kind of question that causes you to get so excited you almost can't even answer. Can you imagine you walking down the street and somebody comes running to you and they, they tap you on the back and say, what must I do to inherit eternal life? <laughs> You're in a grocery store and somebody comes running. And not only do they come running, but they come running and they kneel down before you. And they say, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, you know what the shame of this is? The shame of this is if somebody did come running to most of us and asked us, what must we do to inherit eternal life? Most of us say, wait a minute, I got called past this early. Y'all know I'm right. This young man comes to Jesus and says to him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The first thing um, that I want to extract from this text is that he looks like, he looks like, it looks like he's looking for peace. So he looks for peace. At least on the surface, it, it appears that this man has some trouble in his spirit. And he's heard that unless one becomes as a little child, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he says, wait a minute, I... I don't think I've done that. And he says, he, he runs to Jesus. He, he gets in position. He kneels down and he, he asks, what must I do? It, it looks like he, he's seeking peace for his soul. Looks like it. Looks like it. But, but let, me, let me share something with you because I, I believe as I examine this text that what we see here is not what it really appears. And as I was looking at this text, it, it caused me to realize that in church, on Sunday morning, not only in Kettering Baptist Church, but at services around the world. What looks like is happening is not always happening. Everybody does not always come seeking peace. Matter of fact, there's some churches this morning where some, somebody showed up just to cause a mess. Y- y- y'all, don't, y'all don't believe that. Everybody not, not seeking peace. But watch this. Th- this guy looks like he's... He's looking for some peace. He, he, he just heard some disturbing news. Matter of fact, when I was talking about, when I asked you to ask your neighbor, do you have eternal life? And I asked you, were you sure? And you asked you, how do you know that you're sure? Some of you, that, that the whole question, that whole line of questioning disturbed you. And right now you're sitting in your seat saying, Pastor, you better finish this message because I need some peace for my soul. Everybody doesn't want peace. Now watch this. What, what makes it look like he's looking for peace? He runs to Jesus. He doesn't walk. Jesus, he, Jesus finished teaching. He's walking on down the road. Here comes this, this young man, rich ruler, and he runs to Jesus. He's running to Jesus. He's not walking. He's not casually strolling, saying, I'm going to catch up with him. Yeah, you know, I'll catch up with him. But hey, Jesus, come wait for me, man. No, he, he's running to Jesus. And when he gets to him, he kneels down. 
in, he gets in the right posture, and, and it looks like it, if you were watching this, you would think that he, he had assumed the right position. And he had humbled himself and probably perhaps even bowed himself before Jesus, recognizing him as holy and royalty. And he gives him the homage that he, it looks like he's doing the right thing. K- kind of like some of you when you bow your heads, when the pastor says it's time to pray and you bow your heads, but you ain't praying. You're thinking about what I'm going to do after church today. This young ruler, he's in the right position. He's got the right posture. And, and watch this. He, 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 he kneels and he says, good teacher. He, 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 he exalts him. He gives him praise. He, he, he lifts him up. He says, not just teacher, good teacher. He's in position. He's got all the right posturing that will cause us to assume that he really is seeking peace. But when I looked at that and the further I examined that, I said, God, how is it that we have churches full of people and they look like they're going to heaven, but a whole lot of them are on their way to hell because they don't know if they have eternal life and they're not sure that they have it. And, 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 and they got all these issues and they all got all these problems and they, they, they can't even answer the simple questions. Do you have eternal life and are you sure about it? And how do you know? Because they got the right posture. They, they do. They, they come, they rush to church, they cut you off on the road to get there. And I, I, I'm very thankful for the bumper sticker that says Jesus saves. Because every time I get cut off by somebody, I thank God that Jesus saves. When I see that bumper sticker. Nevertheless, watch this. They're going and they're rushing. They're getting to the right place. They get to the church. They rush into the church. They posture themselves for, for praise and worship. And we've got praise and worship. We got it down almost to a science now. And we're praying. It looks like we're giving him glory. It looks like we're exalting him. It looks like we're praising him. We got the right posture. We got the right, we got the right attitude. It looks like we got it together. But how is it that we got churches full of folk who are dying and going to hell how is that this guy has the right posture but your posture does not denote sincerity in your motive did you realize that you really cannot worship God if you're not saved did you realize that you can't worship who you don't know but you wave your hand and you sing the praise song but who are you really praising when you don't know him this guy has the right posture. He, he does all what, what appears to be the right things. He runs to Jesus. He kneels before Jesus, and he asks him. He even exalts him. He says, good teacher. You, you a good teacher, Jesus. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus asks the question. He said, why you call me good? You, you, you know what I, when I when, you know, from a theological perspective, when I first read that question, I said, Jesus is trying to point him to God. He's not trying to, he doesn't want him to recognize him as God. He wants to make sure that he's looking to one that's greater than him. But then I, I went back and looked at this thing again. And what I realized that Jesus was saying is that I know your motive. You, you're a rich, spoiled brat who's used to getting your way. You know how to put on a show. You know how to say the right things to flower me up. To get what you want. It's kind of like your children. You know, when, when your children really want something. How you doing, Ma? Is everything all right? I sure love you. And you know, my kids do stuff like that. I know they want something. Usually money. This, this he, he, he knows how to butter. You can't butter up Jesus to get what you want. Did you realize that? 
I'm, I'm trying to help somebody. You, you can't butter him up. Just because you come to church, he ain't, he, that's not sufficient. You're not buttering him up by coming to church. You, you did not do him a favor by coming to Bible study on Wednesday and Sunday school this morning and church right now. You, you did not do him a favor. You are not getting on his good side just because you showed up at church. <sighs> this is, I knew this was going to be tough, but I'm, I'm going to lay it out anyway. Because, see, see we, we, we're, we're used to hearing news but not good news. Am I right? Got CNN going on 24 hours a day. Matter of fact, they got CNN, they got CNN Sports, they got CNN this, CNN that. You got all kind of news going on. I was listening, watching TV the other day, and, and I, I realized Channel 4 News starts at 4 o'clock, doesn't go up till 7.30. And I said, man, that's a whole lot of news, but it ain't no good news. I just came to share some good news. This guy thought he could butter up Jesus. Jesus says, why you call me good? Verse number 18, he says, there's no one good but one, and that is God. So verse 19 picks up. He says, you know the commandments. Listen what he does not say. This man says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you know the commandments. Hold that thought. Do not commit adultery. He begins to list some of the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. This is not all of the commandments, just in case you were wondering. Um, Exodus chapter 20, you can find the rest of them. He just lays some of them out. And he says, and so the young man answers and he says, to him, teacher, all these things have I kept from my youth. I've, I've, I've been good. I haven't broken any of the, the law. I've been, I've been obedient to the golden rule. I haven't killed nobody. I haven't stole from nobody. I, I'm, 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 I'm relatively good, and I know there's some good folk here today. But, but, but hell is full of good folks. Listen to what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus does not say, watch this. First of all, I had this question. I said, If this young man can come to Jesus and says, I've done all the law, I've kept all the commandments, I've done all that you required of me, then why is he asking him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Listen to what Jesus does not say. Jesus did not say, you need to be obedient to all the laws on the book. He didn't say that. He says, you know the law. Let me help you with this one. Just because you know the law doesn't mean you have eternal life. This, this dude knew the law. Jesus says, you know, you know the commandments. And he says, he lists some off and the, and the young man says, um, I've, I've kept all of those. I kept all the laws. I, I kept all the commandments. I've done all the good things. I've, I've, I've walked the old ladies across the street. You know, I'm making, I'm putting offerings in. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working in my community. I'm doing all this stuff. But, but knowing the law is not sufficient. There's a lot of people who know the law and still go to hell. I'm, I'm going to move on. Verse 19, he's, he's, he says now, you know the law. The answer says, I've kept all these things. But watch this. Keeping the law is not sufficient. If you kept all of the commandments from your youth up, you're still in trouble. And I guarantee you there ain't a person in here who has kept the law. The Bible says when you, Jesus said this way, when you fall in one area, you've fallen in the whole law. I believe Paul laid it out that way. Paul says, if you, if you, if you falter in one point, you've fallen in it all. In other words, when you, want, when you make one mistake, you violated the whole law. So guess what? Keeping the law is not sufficient for eternal life. Knowing the law is not sufficient for you to inherit eternal life. Y'all still with me? Knowing the law is not sufficient. Keeping the law is not sufficient. Jesus never says to him, keep all the commandments. He never says that to him. He says, you know them. 
And then he says, I kept them. He turns to Jesus. Verse 21 says, then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Here's a man. Jesus knows his heart. Jesus knows his motive. Jesus knows what he's trying to pull out of him. Jesus knows everything about this man, and he asks him these questions, and he responds to him. And then he says, I still loved him. If we are not loved by Jesus, there is no hope of eternal life. Without Jesus' love, you and I and everybody else is lost. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our Spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-574-3515. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.